0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of Vikings Happy Hour. Tonight, we have Eric Eager, the VP of Research and Development for Sumer Sports, joining us to talk about the Vikings and Giants playoff game last week and then what to just expect this offseason for the Vikings. So grab your Lake Monster beer and enjoy
1: show. Welcome to Vikings Happy Hour, where we mix our favorite beverage and talk of your Minnesota Vikings go
0: hello and welcome back to another episode of vikings happy hour like i mentioned in the intro eric eager is joining us this evening and by the way this episode and all viking happy hour uh, episodes are sponsored by lake monster brewing and that's badass wood art you can go and get your custom piece of that's badass wood art and use promo code ctpocket for 20 percent off any one order um we got some fun stuff to talk about this week now that the Vikings are are booted from the playoffs, which I did feel like was inevitable, right? I think we almost saved us ourselves a little bit of embarrassment not having to go uh, play the 49ers because I think they would have just ripped us apart. But we have Eric on. Eric, your takes on the Vikings are, you know, I'd say pretty spot on for the most part. Um some fans may disagree, but for the most part, they are. So what were your takeaways from Sunday, um, whether it's Kirk-related, Kevin O'Connell-related, uh, the defense-related, anything?
2: Yeah,
3: I mean, it's it's uh, emblematic of a lot of what we've seen the last few years where, you know, the quarterback played pretty well. He was certainly not the reason they lost um, by any stretch. Uh, but the roster, you know, and we've had you know seasons with this team where the roster kind of popped up a little bit, and 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 half seasons in the case of this uh, of this team. But um, there's just so many holes on this roster, and and this this team depended so much on things that were so unsustainable uh, that you know it just was event- eventually going to crumble a little bit. And um, you know one of the stats that came out, my former intern Arjun uh, Menon, who uh, was looking at uh, basically, uh, you know, perfectly covered plays, which, you know, this idea is like how often do none of your players make a mistake on defense? Um, You know, pretty predictive of of success in coverage. And the Vikings were the worst team in the NFL this week in that uh, less than a quarter of their passing plays on defense uh, were such that no defender made a mistake. So you look at a season where you have great individual efforts by Patrick Peterson uh, Harrison Smith remaining who he was good good year from Eric Hendricks even like pop-ups you know type seasons from Duke Shelley even a certain amount but ultimately the weak links for the Vikings were their downfall and you know that circles all the way back to the decision they made uh, in 2018 where they they put a lot of money into the quarterback and hoped that the rest of the roster could hold on even as they were not able to shove chips into the table on other positions and you know the quarterback has played very well, and uh, but the rest of the rosters continue to atrophy, and we saw that Sunday against, a, you know, frankly, the worst playoff team besides the Vikings and the
0: Giants. Has your opinion yeah. changed on Kirk Cousins, or is it still I mean, about the same?
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, 2021, this summer, I ranked him as the eighth-best quarterback in football. Like, I don't think that really has changed much. Um, I think that, you know... This year, even though his statistics weren't as good, he only averaged I think seven point one yards per pass attempt. The EPA was kind of middle of the pack. Uh, he had twenty three turnover worthy plays in the regular season, which was a top five mark in football. I actually found him more enjoyable to watch this year than in previous years. Um, I remember um, te- texting somebody, you know, uh, texting somebody in the Vikings front office. I was like, "Look, i kind of find it kind of cool that you guys are running every route on third down past the sticks because." Uh, that makes Kurt have to throw it because I think Kirk, if you give him the check down, he's like Ron Burgundy. If you give him the teleprompter, he's going to read it. And, you know, we saw that on the fourth down play. Um, You know, I thought that Kirk took more chances. I thought that he took more hits. I thought that he, you know, was more of a leader this year in a lot of ways. And so even though statistically it wasn't as pristine as it had been in the past, I felt like he was a more endearing quarterback this year. So, I you know, this is weird, but I, I enjoyed watching him more than the previous three, you know, four years. Um, but I, I you know ultimately, you know, the 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 fact that he's unable to elevate the roster past, you know, the deficiencies that his contract helps produce, uh, you know, is always going to be the reason that they sh- fall short most seasons. Well,
2: and to your point that you made, like I mean, in a sense, this year, he kind of did, right? He, he he came up with many uh, game winning drives, right, that covered up the deficiencies and allowed us to win. But again, at the end of the day, at the end of the season, you know, the boogeyman's still going to come out at some point, right? It came out against the, the Cowboys, came out against the um, Packers a little bit against the Lions, I guess, to a certain extent, right? Like, uh, the boogeyman came. It's just, you know, we were able to overcome that, and he was able to elevate the team enough, mostly him, right, uh, with his play, but it just it was never going to be enough once we get to those elite teams. And that's yeah, where I'm worried bar- about next year.
3: Right, and the bar was lower, right? And I think, you know, when we looked at the difference in um, general managers this year, so Adapo Mensa, uh, you know, went one way. He basically – you know, push back contracts on great players and, you know, and Kirk too. And, uh, you know, whereas Ryan Poles basically traded Robert Quinn, he traded Roquan Smith. He he uh, basically got rid of, you know, traded Khalil Mack um, and, you know, left the covered bear. You know, the Bears looked at the easy NFC and, and make no mistake, the Vikings were not a great team this year the, you know, they, they had a negative point differential. And when you look at, you know, who they've beaten, let me, let me quickly look at, you know, off the top of my head with these, these backup quarterbacks that were on their, on, on their ledger here, you're looking at, you know, Andy Dalton who ended up being their starter, but, you know, let, let's, let's overlook that. Andy Dalton was a backup. Um, You know, uh, Skyler Thompson was a backup. Uh, Taylor Heineke was a backup that they played. Um, Mike White was a backup that was on their schedule uh, Matt Ryan wasn't a backup, but he had been benched already before. Uh, and then in Chicago, you played, you know, uh, Nathan Peterman. Uh, you also got like the worst performances of the season. It, you know, One of the worst performances out of the season in week one out of Aaron Rodgers. You got a bad performance out of Josh Allen uh, against Buffalo. So like Kirk did, you know, overcome a lot of the deficiencies of the team, but it wasn't as though they were facing like the world beaters. And I think that that was part of the thesis you know, with you know Mensa, when he was you know you know what, deciding whether or not you know what to do with this team this year, he was saying, look, like you know th- this is a very winnable season, and you know it, it, whether or not he's whether or not it's fair, he's going to be judged by this season plus other seasons, it, you know. Whereas you look at Polls, you know, he's basically got one shot to build a roster. It's just this year they have a hundred million dollars, they have the number one pick. And if they go busto on this year's, uh, you know, collection of players, like Ryan Poles is basically a sitting duck. Kwasi this year did not have a great draft by any stretch of the imagination. Their their free agent acquisitions were just whatever. Um, But this 13-win season is going to buy him, I think, some time. I think that the hardest part for them is going to be now, Um, you know, how hard is it to go to your boss and say, look. The team I built you that won 13 games isn't actually as good as that. So I need to start over. That's a really hard conversation to have.
0: Yeah. Well, I, the other thing, too, that at least I'm generally concerned about is you're now playing, you know, the first place opponents next year and not, you know, the last or the third place opponents. Uh, I, I forget the divisions that we face, but you're just going to get the best of the best teams next year. Um, and I think we also have. I think we have the AFC West, Um, so we got the Chiefs coming to town, the Chargers. Um, There's just going to be a lot of of more difficult games I would anticipate next year, and I don't think this team at the current moment is going to get anywhere close to the 13 wins that they got this season. Um, I
2: mean, uh, and on top of that, Matt, I mean, you also have the best teams in the NFC, the Eagles, the the Niners, right? And I I forget who our division that we play is, but for sure the Chiefs and the Niners, or Chiefs, Niners, Chiefs, Niners, and the um, the Eagles, I mean, you know, those teams aren't going to need to be purging their roster for cap space. You know, they're not going to be having to let go of, you know, half of their d- the starting defense this year, and letting them walk because we need the cap space and we have to rebuild around that. They're not dealing with that, so yeah. Um, and, and why aren't they dealing with that outside of Patrick Mahomes, rookie or rookie contract QBs?
0: Yeah, <laughs> well, so right. Someone brought brought up in the chat. You know, what happens now because JJ is up for an extension, right? And his contract is going to be insane. So what do the Vikings do then in that sense with, you know, a $30 million wide receiver, a you know, 30 plus million quarterback and a defense that has a bunch of aging veterans and looks incredibly slow all over the field.
3: Yeah. I mean, I wrote this uh, for Purple Insider with Matt Collar. Like I, you know, it's sad. It's hard to say like, I said this on, you know, to plug my own podcast, the, the Sumer Sports Show with myself and Thomas Dimitrov. We were talking today about Jalen Hurts. And like, it's hard because sometimes great football decisions or great football outcomes yield difficult football decisions. So, you know, I don't think any of us expected Harrison Smith to be this good this late in his career. But the fact that he has, has yielded hard decisions about what to do. I was on Um, you know, the old 1500 saying they should trade Harrison Smith. I said that like pre-pandemic, they should trade Harrison Smith, not because he sucks, (laughs) far from it, but because he's worth something to the team, right? He's worth something to the rest of the league. And instead, of course, Harrison Smith keeps playing great and they keep having to kick the can down the road on his contract. Well, the problem is, is when you have a year like this year, where Harrison's good, not amazing. Well, now you've got a good player on amazing money with an amazing commitment. That's the other part. The commitment to Thielen, the commitment to Harrison Smith, the commitment to Cousins are, you know, they're they're prohibitive to team building, and that is in large part because the guys that you've signed and the guys you drafted have worked out. It's just that the, the having to continue to buy into them, foregoing the difficult decisions to move on from players um, a year early as opposed to a year late, is leading to the fact that now you look at the secondary and there's no good young players in the secondary. Um, you know, you can call Lewis seen a good young player, but that would be a complete projection. Uh, buying an okay player. Uh, you know, the cornerback position, like we don't know when Andrew Booth will ever play. Uh, Caleb Evan looks okay, but like, there's all questions in a, in a secondary where you need five guys to step up and play linebacker, you know, Kendricks has been, been a great Viking, but until they decide to move on from him, he's going to make it hard for them to be younger at that position. Awesome. at least. Was, a, was probably the best of a bad draft class this year so far. Has been okay, and then on the defensive line, like I know they've tried with guys like Wanham and Jones and stuff to uh, bring up the young players, but um, you know it's the, been the success of Denell Hunter that's going to cause them to make a tough decision on him this year. So it, it's just hard because you know the NFL, especially when you have a quarterback like Cousins, the NFL is won and lost by having deep rosters. And, you know, the the fact that they have a bunch of great players, plus a quarterback who's good, not great, um, yields, uh, you know, the the holes that a team like the New York Giants
0: helped exploit on Sunday. So I guess my question to you then, Eric, is in. I do like the point that you bring up about the draft class and just them just being projections. I think Kwasi even alluded to that today. I think someone said, you know, how can you – you look forward when you don't know really what you have. And he goes, you can't really count on, on that. Um, any added benefit we get from that is great, but you know, we don't know who Lewis Cena is going to be. We don't really know who Andrew Booth is going to be, but, um, you know, you've been around football a lot longer, uh, than we have. and, And you've obviously your show is with a former, uh, GM. So how would you attack this off season? If you were the Vikings, um, yeah, I'll just leave it as broad as that. Uh,
3: yeah, you have to be. I think you have to be really sober about what the what this represents, right? So, uh, on offensive line, you you have to hope that Garrett Bradbury will give you, uh, you will negotiate with you in a modest contract that he shows some good faith because you know they stuck with him for longer than they probably should have. Um, you have to hope that Ed Ingram emerges. Now, guard is one of those positions. I mean, we learned it with Garrett Bradbury in Minnesota. Um, that takes a long time to evolve, right? Uh, Ezra Cleveland still on a rookie deal. You have great tackles. So I think the offensive line is probably okay if you can get Bradbury, but you probably have to sign some depth pieces. We saw late in the season that things fell apart when guys got injured. So, um, you know, what does that mean? You, you know, the, the, thing that the, the thing that I wrote about in Collar's piece was, you know, there are two types of positions in football. There are premium positions and there are non-premium positions. The premium positions you can almost only access through trades and free and and the draft. So like tackle, well the Vikings have done great there. Darius Der- and O'Neill. they're probably going to be fine there. Um, you know cornerback, uh, they've tried and I, and I give Quasey a lot of credit for trying there with Booth and uh, Caleb Evans and prior to that Spielman, you know, surely did try with Mike Hughes and Mackenzie Alexander and that kind of thing. Uh, defensive end, you know, outside linebacker, you know, edge players, another one. Um, they're okay there. Uh, they need some reinforcements, of course, and they have never spent more than a third-round pick on an edge, uh, Spielman era or uh, Dapo Mensa era, uh, and then quarterback and wide receiver. And you know Jefferson was a a really good pick in 2020, but other than that, they really haven't spent top draft capital on wide receiver in Minnesota before. And the problem is, is their roster has been so top-heavy money-wise that they've had to use what it usually you can spend free agency money on non-premium positions, right? So Bradbury, uh, uh Lewis Seen at safety, like they're spending draft capital on non-premium positions when you can access those guys through free agency. Marcus Williams is a free agent last year. Joe Tooney was a free agent when the Chiefs really needed a guard after their disaster Super Bowl. So I think what you need to do with the Vikings is you need to say, look, like we're in such a difficult position from a cap standpoint that we have to reset this year and start to build a roster from the premium positions in, and start with the fact that you got two good ones in O'Neill and Derrishaw. Um, You know you've drafted some in corner. You probably still need some more. Uh, you probably need a defensive end high, and the and with only four draft picks in this draft, the only way you can do that is to trade the quarterback or trade Justin Jefferson. And I don't know because you know, you can make a case that he's the best player in the NFL. I don't know if anybody's ready to have that conversation nor should they be, Um, but you really do need to start thinking about if you're going to build this roster the right way, you probably have to make some tough decisions on existing players and, and sort of view 2023 as a, as an actual rebuilding season.
2: Yeah. I mean, it looks like there's going to be a lot of, you know, tough decisions at the, at some of these aging positions, um, what What is your take on like dead dead money, right? Like so we have a lot of money tied up, as you mentioned in aging stars or you know they're not really stars anymore, right? a lot of uh, a lot of commentary coming from the Thielen family right now on, you know, this may be over, uh, but you look at it, it's a nineteen million dollar cap hit for twenty twenty three. Uh, I can't remember. I think it was like 11 million in dead cap or something like that. And then we can save like six and a half. It's some something like that. Um, not really a tradable asset, right? He didn't really show enough this year, whether that was because he was not given opportunities or because he just wasn't creating opportunities. But we didn't see enough for him to be able to warrant any sort of trade. So the only options we really have with him is cutting. Or we have is is asking him for a restructure, not a kick the can down the road restructure, but like, hey, you didn't produce, we need to look at a pay cut, right? And he's going to tell us, yep. like, you know, the, based go on what they're kite. telling us on on, on uh, social media, they're going to tell us to go fly a kite, exactly. So. Yep. So you, you have Thielen, right? You have Kendricks, who, again, he played okay this year, but you can definitely tell that he was a step slower. And he's the easiest to cut, right? I mean, I think it's like a 1.5 dead, and you save 9 mil, right? Um, you look at Harrison Smith. You look at uh, you know Zedarius Smith. You look at Daniel Hunter. You had mentioned, dude, what do we do with him? Can't really cut him. Uh, you'd have to do a post-June 1st trade. Otherwise, we lose money by just even trading him. So yeah. – it's kind of a weird situation with a lot of these aging vets is I guess what I'm trying to say. So Dalvin cook is another really big one. So, you know, how do you view that? Like, do you say, Hey, this is a rebuild year. We're going to take this dead money on and get rid of these guys and open up the cap space and try to make maybe some like, you know, savvy moves like we did with like Limbaugh Joseph back in the day and kind of find those second or third tier uh, free agents that can be building blocks for the future. Um, You know, how would you approach that?
3: Yeah, so I mean, you're uh, you you have 52 players under contract, which isn't so bad, but you're over the cap by about 24 and a half million. Um, you know, the Zadarius Smith gets you about 13 and a half, even pre June one. Uh, Eric Kendrick gets you about nine and a half pre June one. Um, Jordan Hicks gives you another five pre June one. Now the issue is, is when you cut these guys, like you have to replace them with somebody, and that gets back to the whole rebuilding thing where you just You know, you do draft picks and stuff. The problem also is they only have four draft picks, so that you know there's there's a difficulty there. But just to get under the cap, and remember, you know these these the thing that uh, Jason Fitzgerald said, which I thought was so eloquent, was like when you do restructures, it 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 does you there's no edge in being cap compliant, and restructures just mean that you have to play the the guy's gonna be on your team then. Right, and you have to decide whether or not that that's worth you know that's worthwhile. And I think for the case of Thielen, for example, it's not, and that's why you have to move on. I don't know if a trade is ever going to work just because his number is so high uh, for what he's producing. Um, but you can go, you know, so Kendricks uh, Hicks, so you're at 14 with with Zedarius. That's another 13 and a half. So that'll get you under the cap, no matter you know nothing having to do with Cousins, nothing having to do with Thielen, nothing having to do with with Harrison Smith. Um, you could, you know, extend Denell Hunter, uh, to get that number, you know, to get that number smoothed out a little bit. His cap number is actually not that big next year; it's only thirteen million. It's pretty small as edge players go, but it's the way the thing is structured. So you probably have to restructure that deal and just commit to Denell Hunter being a Viking forever. Which, given how well he played in the second half of this season and how healthy he was, uh, is not a not actually a bad thing. Um, then you can go and say, you know, post June one. I think you can post June one. Take take. You know, thirteen and a half, you know, million with savings and six and a half dead on Thielen. Now, the post June one issue is, of course, you spread that out out over two years. So you're going to pay that money, but you're going to pay it over two years. And then Harrison Smith, if you post June one them, you get fifteen more. So that's going to give you twenty eight million to 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 work with. I think then you just use that to get a Justin Jefferson contract extension signed, which is not going to eat up all twenty eight of that. It'll be more than that APY. but It'll be you know smoothed out over. Uh, four or five years.
2: Um, and so quick get question the chapter- on that, Eric. Yeah. Quick question on that. Sorry to interrupt you. So with him still having two years left on his contract, right, his fourth year and then his fifth year option that we can pick up, would that extension then kick in in in, in year six?
3: You would have new money, though, that would – that. yes, yes. So usually what ends up happening is a player on a rookie deal will sign a deal and he'll still have rookie deal money um, over the final two years of the deal. You will have to pay a signing, the signing bonus part of it. I believe over those first two years. So it's just gonna, not the you salary. Split, okay. You kind of split the difference over those two. Like you're especially cash expenditures were which are not actually cap expenditures, which are underrated parts of it. Um, you know, teams oftentimes will be under the cap, but because like for example, if you um, Convert a base salary to a to a signing bonus and spread that out over five years. You you won't your cap hit is one fifth of what your cash charge is going to be that your or the amount of money you have to put in escrow to pay the player. So there's there are considerations there, but yeah, Jefferson's still going to be inexpensive for the next two years ish. It's going to be an increase, but you're going to be committed to him uh, down the line. So you know there there is a way out, but. You're going to, and then you probably do want to consider TJ Hawkinson on an extension. I know he's fifth year option next year. That would be another one where I don't know you can necessarily bring his number down because his fifth year option isn't that much money uh, relative to what he could earn because I think he's a top 10, top top five tight end in the league. But you do those two things, Dalvin Cook as well, um, which gives you 11 million if you wait till post June 1. So you end up okay there. But this year's roster is going to be pretty bad um, if you do all of that kind of stuff. And 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 I think honestly,
2: I think that's the way you got to go, though. Like, I I mean, you can try to run it back. But we like to your point, we don't have the resources to re, like to, to, to retool enough to cover the deficiencies that we had with each of these guys getting a year older. And now, of course, yes. Scene could take a huge step and, and get really good, really quick, and and make a big difference in replacing Bynum and 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 Booth could suddenly become amazing, and a Caleb Evans could be great. But like, the likelihood of all that happening is just not very likely. So uh, I think, yeah, quasi has got a really tough, some really tough decisions to make on this current roster. What we do with it how you handle this approach. Again, the good thing, Eric, and I know you've been advocating for this for a bit, is that we could go ahead and, again, extend Hawkinson, backload that, right, backload Jefferson a bit, and by the time that those things actually kick in to being high-money high, high money issues, Cousins is gone. Now you're on a rookie, hopefully a rookie contract or a much lesser contract at a quarterback position, and then and then you run, and then you try to run and build quick.
3: Yeah, the, the one thing I do worry about with Jefferson is sort of, you know, the player, you know, so this offseason, the players moved a little bit more than you would expect. So Adams, and now granted, Adams and Hill were both on their second contract, so they had already made their money. But Adams and Hill moved uh, to, to destinations they re- referred, right? And Debo Samuel, uh, DK Metcalf, guys like that stayed. And the DK Metcalf one, I, I think is the one that is, should give Vikings fans hope because, you know, going into the year, you're talking about Geno Smith and Drew Locke. So there wasn't much at the QB position to really be excited about. And he stayed in Seattle for a top end deal. That's good. That's good for the Vikings because, you know, I think if you're Jefferson, you say, okay, you know, Kirk has made Jefferson incredibly productive, but really hasn't won them anything. So, you know, on one hand, you keep Kirk around, what is the incentive for him to want to stay? He could go and, you know, play for a team that has a more dynamic quarterback a quarterback he gets along with, but I don't, you know, all that kind of stuff. I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, I don't have any inside information there, but he could be like, I don't want to play with Kirk if I'm going to sign a long-term deal. But at the other hand, you could say, well, don't worry, we're going to trade Kirk and we're going to draft one of the top end QBs. And then if you're Jefferson, you're like, do I really want to break in a young QB? Right. So it is really tough. Like I do think, I I do think there's a non-zero chance that Jefferson, you know, and the Vikings, it isn't as easy as we all think. Like, oh, they're starting contract negotiations, and he's going to be a Viking forever. Uh, you know, the way it happened in Kansas City was the Chiefs sat down with Mahomes and said, "You're a Chief forever. Let's work on the details." And they said, "If you're going to hold out," you know, and, and it was after a Super Bowl, so it was a little bit different. But you know, I think the Vikings and Jefferson will end up agreeing on something. But but if you if you spell it out, you know, there is a path to which he's unhappy and 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 engineers a move. Um, I, I don't think it'll happen, but I think that there's a non-zero chance that it could.
0: And so that actually, I kind of want to pursue this path a little bit. So we talked about how they only have four draft picks in the upcoming draft. And I know some Viking fans don't want to talk about this, but there is going to be a life after Kirk Cousins, whether that's this next year, which it, it sounded like Quay and O'Connell were kind of committing to Cousins for this next season. But in the next two, three years, Life after Cousins is a real thing. Do you use your draft pick this year to find that replacement for Kirk Cousins? In which case now you're down to three draft picks essentially to try and fill your roster. Uh, yeah, I the problem is is
3: the, the all the all the things we just talked about are going to require a lot of draft picks to get to get out in place. And when you look at 2024. The the Vikings have almost 100 million in cap space. Now they only have 27 players on the roster, and that includes Thielen, Smith, Smith, Cook, Hunter. Um, you know all the <laughs> in 2024. Yeah, so it's it's more like 2000. It's more like 22 players on a contract and about 100 million in cap space. So you know, part of me thinks that the way out of this is to just play Cousins this year let the thing breathe out a little bit. Cousins is going to be 35 next year. He showed some sides of age this year. I, I talked about how, you know, I thought he was gutsy this year, but I didn't think his arm strength was great. I didn't think his mobility has ever been that good. Um, you know, to extend him would mean to buy into years 36, 37, 38 on him. And I just don't know. I mean, we saw Matt Ryan, we, you know, Joe Flacco was 34 when he, you know, when he played with the Broncos and we've seen how much he's atrophied since then. Um, so, so, you know, I the probably the best path forward would be to play cousins this year. Um, you know, trade back in the draft. So take your pick, move back. Probably you know, you know, and Quaysey showed proclivity for this. Move back into the 40s or something. Get two picks in the second round for your first round pick. Um, move back. Try to collect six or seven draft picks. Know that a blue chipper isn't coming out of any of those picks unless you hit on one. Um, you know, sign bottom of the basement free agents uh you know and if cousins can win with that bad of a roster then you do want to extend him that's like the whole point um but but in all likelihood he can't and then you just let him walk uh you take the 12.5 million uh void year tax the the following year and you you could sign another quarterback or you can just draft one um i think that the quarterback comes actually in 2024 um more instead of 2023
2: well, and I think it's going to be a lot easier for us to get one of those quarterbacks in 2024. <clears throat> We've kind of talked about this earlier, Matt. You you and I did uh around the fact that we we have a tougher uh, we have a tough schedule next year, right? I mean, like yeah. there's a very good chance we go from a 13-win team to like a 6-win team, 7-win team, maybe 5-win team, who knows, right? Uh depending on how bad this defense actually ends up getting with, you know, us moving on from maybe some of these guys. So, uh and you look at the 2024 class, I mean, you have Caleb uh, Caleb Williams, Heis- reigning Heisman winner. You have Drake May from uh, North Carolina. If he you know plays well again this year, he's going to probably come out. You got uh, Deion Sanders' kid, uh, who's apparently making some waves. I mean, you know, there's there's a lot of potential, I should say, coming up in this draft. So, and then with us maybe being a top ten pick instead of twenty three, it's and and we want to get to one. We want to get to two, three, four. It's going to be a heck of a lot easier, right? And we'll have more draft capital at that point in time, what have you. So, um, ooh, this is an interesting comment. Somebody's saying, why don't we go and get Trey Lance? Which, again, <laughs> that's a projection. But, you know, maybe well, the something problem. I, I
3: mean, the problem with that is – and and uh, here's an illustrat- illustrative uh, example. So back in 2020 when New England drafted Mac Jones, they also had Cam Newton and they were both basically making the same amount of money. The reason that they cut Cam Newton and went with Mac Jones is both directions. If if Cam Newton did great, he would get to go right back to the counter and say I want a 30 million dollar deal. If he did poorly, then obviously that's the other side. The the hard part about veterans is that the risk is two-sided. If you if the guy does amazingly, then you have to pay him if the guy does horribly, then the guy does horribly. That's the risk in and of itself. And so, if you go to a guy like Trey Lance or Jordan Love or somebody like that, the hard part is is when they're done with their rookie deal, the risk cuts both ways. If, if Trey Lance came here and slayed, then you would have to, and did so with great support, then you're right back to possibly the Kirk Cousins deal, um, where you're paying him too much money and you know he's a kind of a you know top 12ish quarterback instead of a top five. And you're right back to where you started. So that's the that's really the benefit of the rookie deal, guys, is that if he does amazingly, he can't ask for more money for two more years. And so you can plan around that with that fixed cost. Whereas if a, you know when Cousins blew up in Washington, the, the worst part about it is he blew up on his last year of the deal. So then the, the Washington commanders were like, Well, what the hell do we do? Uh, we have to plan around and Kirk's, you know, rightfully asking for more money. And that it was that, and then you know they were sort of stuck in mud for two years. Um, You want the rookie deal guy, all else being equal, because a the variance is higher, and you always want to bet on variance for quarterbacks. But then the variance in cost is almost zero, knowing because he has on a rookie deal that you have that fixed number.
2: that makes I didn't, I didn't. kind of sense. I mean, you're using a lot of big, <laughs> fancy analytical uh-huh. words that I'm not quite sure. No, uh, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. And then another comment here. So if we were to take that path in 24, you don't necessarily have to start a rookie quarterback. Um, you know, there's free agents that you can go pick up that, you know, you're going to want a veteran guy, a legitimate veteran guy, Um, in uh, at at the backup or maybe even to take the lead for the first couple of games. A lot of these teams are doing that a lot lately. Um, You know, I mean, and there's going to be guys with quality experience who are maybe aging or who, or maybe looking for a chance like a, I mean, I, I don't want to say it because I'll get made fun of, but like, you know, like a Baker Mayfield or a Sam Darnold type, right? <laughs> Where again, you don't really want them to, to probably start a lot of games for you, but at least to kind of hold the candle until, uh, until that rookie is quite ready. Right. Um, you know, th- that's an approach that you could take as well, instead of just starting a rookie from day one, because you saw what that did with Zach Wilson.
3: Yeah, exactly. Or or you know, and that was always the thing in Kansas City. Alex Smith was was a was a very good quarterback that, you know, played that part. Now, I don't know if Kirk would be that guy if you would if you were to push the clock forward one year and and um you know and and, and uh and draft one this year, uh that that could be the case. Um but you know, for the most part throwing the guy in early is is preferable. But yeah, as you said, Ryan, Zach Wilson uh, the example of when you throw him in before he's ready, how it can hurt his development. Yeah, and I think, you know, honestly, not the way. Cousins anymore. Like, honestly, the only, <laughs> and, and I'm okay, like, I'm not okay with it. But, like, there are two options, two options with Cousins, three options. Play him out this year, um, trade him, and get $17.5 million in cap space and just say, forget this year. Or give him a five-year extension. Like the thing, the problem with Cousins' deals have always been, not only are they guaranteed, but they are short. The, the the long-term deals that you have at quarterback where you can spread out the risk. Like Derek Carr was is about as good as Kirk Cousins. And the only reason the Raiders were eventually okay was because his deal went from top of the market to, to middle of the market because the cap goes up and he, his number stays flat. Whereas Cousins' deals, he's always going back to the table two years in and getting bumping right back up to the top of the market. And without knowing, again, it's all about fixed cost. Without knowing what Kirk's cost is in 2024, you can't make great moves in 2023. And so if you knew, like, again, if you guys are committed to Cousins, and I I know the three of us are, I know where we stand. But if the Vikings are committed to Cousins, you give them a deal for five years and just say, look you're our quarterback and we're going to work around that truth and at least that stays relatively fixed and and you know if you have to you know uh, move money around one year and whatever to build a better roster perfectly but the fact that his deals were 3 years and not like 5 or 6 and then the extension was 3 and then this one was 2 plus a void they have always been um, you know, prohibitive because you you don't have the fixed cost. You uh, kind of always knew Kirk would be there, but you didn't know what the price was. It was like a um, you know, a, a adjustable rate mortgage type thing. Uh,
0: b- before you before you went on that, I was going to say I think Atlanta did a really good job um bringing in a a gap like a a bridge quarterback in Marcus Mariota to kind of see then what Desmond Ritter had and towards the end of the season, I thought Desmond Ritter looked, you know, fine. Um, and, and it's promising to build on. So I, I, I do agree that that's probably a good option for the Vikings in the future. Uh, before we kind of wrap here, uh, I want to get your take on just Kevin O'Connell as a whole for this season. Um, there were moments where he, he kind of got too cute, I would say. Um, one showed up perfectly in this wild card uh, matchup with the Jefferson pass um, that that went nowhere and then there were just some other you know moments throughout the season. but as a whole, what did you think of Kevin O'Connell? Do you think the Vikings are uh, you know still set up for success with him at the helm? Um, yeah
3: I'm a fan. Uh, you know I don't I, I think you know for one, they brought over whatever secret sauce the Rams had as far as injury prevention. I know at the end of the year it kind of got away from them, but you look at, like, football outsiders, adjusted games lost. You look at Whale from PFF, and, like, the Rams had always been good at avoiding injuries, and that's how their stars and scrubs approach worked, and it was how it was working for the Vikings until, you know, some of their older guys got weaker and, and they got injured a little bit more. But, like, he brought that over, and given how the Zimmer and Spielman era ended, that was a plus in and of itself. I also thought he managed the clock a lot better than his predecessor did in Zimmer. Um I don't think he's a great play caller relative to like Gary Kubiak or or somebody like that, but but he also did force Cousins out of his comfort zone and you know you saw early in the year Cousins struggled with you know basically them asking him to be more to kind of nut up a little bit more at quarterback and at the end of the year I like I said I I actually really enjoyed watching Cousins play this year at the end. I thought you know, he really did um, play quarterback until the dump off at the end, of course. I always I thought he played quarterback like a, a franchise quarterback would. Um, that was O'Connell in my opinion. So I like him. I don't think he's perfect. I, I wish, um, you know, they could have been more impressive down the stretch so I could have won some of my coach of the year bets on him. But um, <laughs> I thought he was a positive. I thought, you know, um, you know, the, the end of game stuff, you know, I think we attribute a little bit too much of that to him when it's really variance, but I felt like the team rallied around the quarterback. I think the the contrast between how he oriented himself around Cousins and how his predecessor Mike Zimmer did, I thought that that was palpable, and I thought that the 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 team rallied around Kirk in ways they didn't the season ago. I thought he set that tone. So yeah, I thought he had a great first year. I don't know if that means he's going to be a great coach uh, in years two and beyond, but he was he was I thought he did great this year.
2: Well, and, and part of it too is just the culture aspect, and I know a lot of people make this culture thing into too big of a deal, but you can tell that that team was having fun this year. I mean, obviously they're winning, so winning's fun, but you know, when when you create a culture of, um, I mean, it could go two ways, right? It could go both ways. I should say in terms of like, if you if you're a little too loosey goosey, then you know people are going to not be held accountable and you know poor uh, you know play poorly, but you know, allowing these players to kind of play themselves, uh, you know, and, and be themselves um, really creates uh, this, this yeah culture that really, I think resonated well, not just within the team, but within the fan base, within, you know, the community and all of that. So.
3: Yeah. Yeah. For yeah, sure. For and, sure. And, I, and I think, I think it was, I think it was, it was fun to watch the Vikings this year, which I think had not been true for a while. Right. Like I, mm-hmm. you know, in you guys you guys make content about the team and I, you know, of course, you know, make content about the whole league, and I've been very critical of the team in the past. And, you know, even though I don't you know, I, I've you know, I could still be critical of them, I felt like O'Connell and and O'Connell created a situation where Vikings games were enjoyable again. So that was fun.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was a it was a fantastic year, but uh, now moving forward this show is gonna be very off season draft oriented because that's just kind of where we are now, unfortunately. Uh we're sitting on our couches, much like the rest of the NFC North. So um Eric, I want to thank you for, for hopping on tonight. Um that's all I had in, in the agenda. So if you want to plug uh your new adventure at Sumer Sports, uh go ahead and then give us a give us an early NFC North favorite for next season.
3: We uh, already, already man, know he's getting your picks.
0: I know. You guys I know, know. I know my answer.
3: By the way, can we pause? Like, I don't think I've ever been. And like, you know, when my wife and I got married, we decided to be Kansas City Chiefs fans. I think that was the best football pick we've ever made in my life. Um, but you know, but besides that, I don't think I've ever been more right about a team that everybody else hated than Detroit. Um, so that was a lot of fun to see them come back. Uh, obviously, I wish they would have made the playoffs just to see them. Um, I think they would have gotten killed by the Niners, much like most teams would have gotten killed by the Niners last week. But you know, that was fun. Um, yeah, so it's Sumer Sports, I, so I left PFF in, in late August, early September. Uh, you know, Seven years there it was a lot of fun. Uh, Sumer Sports, we were collecting a lot of great sports analytics talent. Uh, our CEO, Thomas Dimitrov, is fantastic, former general manager of the Falcons. He and I host a podcast called The Sumer Sports Show. Um, our, the, the owner of Sumer Sports, the founder um, is Paul Tudor Jones, who, if you look him up, is uh, one of the most successful macro traders in the world. Uh, so we're trying to apply some of those principles to football. It's been a whirlwind and been a lot of fun. And, um, you know, I haven't, my relationship with football has been a lot more healthy, which has been great. And maybe that's uh, maybe attributed <laughs> to the fact that Vikings were enjoyable to watch this year um, as well. But yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I'm glad you guys had me on. Uh, it's always fun to come back to your uh, content roots is like, this is one of my first places where I used to do a podcast. So I really enjoyed just hanging out with you guys today.
0: Yeah. We always love having you on Uh, oddly enough. It's only been a second appearance, but uh, yeah, like Ryan said, you are always welcome on the show and we'll probably, I
2: I did have one more question quick, actually just a quick question. It doesn't have to be a long answer here. (laughs) Um, Gut feeling or is, is uh, Ed Donatel gone? I know it hasn't been announced yet and.
3: I think he's going to retire. I think that's probably the right move. Um, I don't think firing him is really, you know, like the Vikings are so weird. They won 13 games. Like you think about that. It's only like what three times in franchise history or four times. I can remember the the years that they were really, really good in the 70s, it was only a 14 game season. So they haven't won 13 or more games that many times. And, um, and so firing a defensive coordinator after that feels weird, doesn't it? Right. So Um, And I think a lot of people look at that, the talent and know that it wasn't all his fault. Uh, But yeah, I don't think he's the defensive coordinator next year. And I think that they have to look elsewhere. And that, by the way, if we're thinking about, you know, you look at the comments, and it was really fun to read all those. um, You're looking at ways out of this quandary that they're in roster wise, hiring a really like super shot, you know, superstar defensive coordinator might be one of the ways out of that, uh, that, that, uh, you know, dearth of talent type thing.
0: Yeah. Sweet. Um, well, thank you again, Eric, Ryan. Thanks for, uh, for hopping on as usual. For everyone in the chat, thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, the comments were were great all night long. Remember again, uh, That's Badass Wood Art. You can head over to That's art.com and get your custom piece of art from Luis using the promo code CTPocket for 20% off. Um, and then if you're in the cities, head over to Lake Monster Brewing. Uh, they have a bunch of great craft brews ready for you to to drink up so uh with that being said dave are you are you behind the camera what's what's in store for for the rest of the week here uh
1: what's in store should be i believe it's just going to be myself and darren and two old bloggers on saturday at two o'clock central so we can have it done before the game start. And we're gonna be talking through the transition from the season into the off season. Darren is having a rough time with it and I'm sort of forced into it because I gotta make graphics for everything. So it's uh we'll help fans deal with how do you go from such an entertaining season to now off season mode. But the first thing will Sweet. be to watch the
0: playoffs. Very good. Well, well, until next week, guys, uh, skull Vikings.
1: Skull Vikings. Like, like, subscribe and ring the bell and feel free to rate us on your favorite aggregator. A big shout out goes to our partners, the daily Norseman, where the best Vikings content can be found to that's badass wood art. When you're looking for something unique to brighten your space and to Lake monster brewing home of the best beer in Minnesota. Skull, everybody!